We are in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 22. Keep your hands up if you need a Bible. We've got a couple Bibles over here. I'm just getting a little feedback from the soundboard. Any other Bibles? Okay, Ephesians chapter 5, verse 22. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is head of the wife, is also Christ is head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body. Therefore, just as the church is subject to Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives, just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her. Just skip down to verse 31. It says, for this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. Father, I pray that your word would now dwell richly in us. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, you may be seated. So this is the third message of a four-part message series that I'm giving on marriage. All four messages are directed to both husbands and wives, although the first two more Uh, toward the husband, the last two more towards the wives. Today is going to be more directed towards wives, but it's it's for both husbands and wives, and it's for singles as well, because most of what we're talking about has to do with relationships. Again, as I said last week, the four messages must be listened to together. If you were not here for the first two messages, there may be things in my message today which seem confusing or even offensive. So important that you listen to the first two messages. And then you can be offended, as offended as you want to be. But, uh, but uh, all four need to be uh, listened to together. That's my word to the wise. So... As a child, I was close to my mother's side of the family, my two brothers and I. My mother had two brothers and a sister, and there were a whole lot of cousins running around. We were very close to all of them. We spent a lot of time with them. And we had very close, rich relationships. But by the time I was eight years old, both my mother's brothers, the two of them, were divorced, as was my mother's sister divorced. Later on, my own parents were divorced, all four siblings. This had a profound impact on me. Study after study has proven that divorce has a profound impact on kids. By the way, that goes for husbands and wives who are married, but also cohabitating and living together and having kids. And the separation, profound impact on kids. I was no exception. It was also very traumatic to me. It's a young child trying to process this. You can't. I lived in fear that when I grew up and got married, the same thing would happen to me. But you know what Satan meant for evil, God used for good. Because by the time I was nine or ten years old, even though I didn't grow up in a Christian home, that fear drove me to prayer. 
So this is a nine or ten year old kid distinctly remember praying over and over again that God would send me a wife that I would be married to for my whole life. Over and over again. It's like almost obsession of a young child. I didn't want to get married and divorced like my uncles and aunts. God, give me a wife that I will spend the rest of my life with. My prayer was answered not by bringing me a perfect woman, but by bringing me a perfect Savior. And giving me a faith in which I gave everything to Jesus Christ. God answered my prayer because a man who joins himself to that perfect Savior, Jesus Christ, a man who was born again by the Spirit of God, he and he only will be prepared to spend a life dedicated to one woman. A woman who joins herself to that perfect Savior, Jesus Christ, and who is born twice. The Bible says you need to be born twice. Once from your mother's womb and a second time by the Spirit of God. Will be prepared to spend a life dedicated to one man. Last week we spent a fair amount of time discussing what the most important priority should be in a household. And it's this. That a husband be in the Word of God with that perfect Savior every day. Again, verse 25 through 27, it says, Husbands, love your wives as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her. Then speaking about Jesus and the church, it says that he, Jesus, might sanctify, meaning make holy, and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word that he might present her to himself a glorious church not having spot or wrinkle. Some of you ladies got married to your husbands thinking there was not a spot or wrinkle on them. Within three months of marriage, he was covered with them. (laughs) Covered with spots and wrinkles, real deep ones. (laughs) Ladies, listen. There's more of a focus on you this morning. You just heard that verse. It's the Word of God. It's Jesus' responsibility, not your responsibility, to take away His spots and wrinkles. Here's where wives fail over and over and over again. You can't take those away. You can't change your husbands. The more you try to change him, the worse the spots will get, the more the wrinkles, the deeper. Stop trying to change your husbands. You cannot, but who can? What, again, do the verses say? It says, again, verse 26, that Jesus might sanctify and cleanse her. Now, that's not talking about wives and husbands as you are in this room. It's talking about the church, meaning husbands and wives. That's who it's talking about. Verse 27, that he might present her to himself a glorious church without spot or wrinkles. Jesus can change him. He can. 2,000 years plus of history of that very, very thing. Number one priority in a household, to get the husband into one-on-one time with his perfect Savior. Wives, anything you can do to accommodate that, you got to do it, however exhausting and humiliating it may be. Number two priority in a household. It's you, wives. 
spending time with your perfect Savior. That perfect Savior who you have been joined to. Same exact verses that apply to husbands, apply to you. Verse 25, husbands, love your wives as Christ also loved the church. Verse 26, that he might sanctify her and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word. That he might present her to himself a glorious church without spot or wrinkle. Guys, this this means uh, sometimes it means putting on an apron, putting rollers in your hair, and becoming a diaper-changing machine. you got to do it. You, 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 you can't change your wife. But God can. Jesus can. If you try to change her, the spots and wrinkles will multiply. They will on her. I'm not talking, of course, about physical ones. I'm talking about the spots and wrinkles that make marriage miserable. I remember when I got married, I four months before I was married, some of you have heard this story, but I had given my life to Jesus and started walking with Him four months before I was married. And my wife was far, far away from the Lord. And a few months into marriage, I didn't really know any better into the time. I, 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 I was, what I was doing at the time, um, I had gotten into the Word, and I was just eating up the Word of God, and I was just in devotionals and everything, and I would try to get my wife interested, and she wasn't having anything of it. And just by the mercy of God, because this is not my personality, I'm a, I'm a control guy. That's when it comes to, to people. And I've, in the last 25 years in Christ, it's been a process of just letting that go. It's important for a pastor to let that go. You can pray for me. But um, by the mercy of God, I, I just, one, one evening I just said, God, I can't do anything to change her. She doesn't care about your word. You got to do something, Lord. And I honestly did let it go. I really did. And that doesn't mean I didn't prod or encourage her. But I just let it go and I just continued on with the Lord. And I would say about six months later, I, I, I through sanctified twisting of her arm, I got her into a Bible study. It was in the book of James. And I remember one night, I was sitting on the living room floor and she came in. She burst into the house and she said, Steve, do you know James chapter 1 says, let patience have its perfect work that you may become perfect and complete and lacking nothing. Did you know that? And right then I knew. I knew. I knew her life and our life would never be the same. And it hasn't been. Guys, you can't change Your wife. Only God can do that. And I saw the Word of God change her from a cultural Christian. Someone just showed up to church on Sundays because that's what everyone else did in the South. 
where she grew up. To someone who lived and breathed the Word of God. Number one priority in every Christian household. Husband getting into the Word. Number two, the wife getting into the Word. I will say it again. Same thing I said last week. If husbands are regularly in the Word of God and wives are regularly in the Word of God, you will find that all those problems that take marriages down or the problems that drain the marriage of happiness and fruitfulness, they just have a way of working themselves out. And I have never in 25 years of ministry witnessed a single divorce where both husband and wives are daily in the Word, surrendering their lives to the Lord. Not one. And I'll just offer this outrageous statement. It's, 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 listen, it's not even, divorce isn't even possible when that is happening. And, and I really mean that. It's not possible for a husband and wife who are in the Word each day, surrendering their lives to it, to the Lord, to be divorced. Why? Because with their surrender comes the life of the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit always, always, always unites. He never divides. Amen. Ephesians 5.31 again. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife and the two shall become one flesh. This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. Ladies, so important, whether you're married or not, your first husband needs to be none other than self. That is your most important marriage. Isaiah 54, verse 5. Speaking to you, wives, for your maker is your husband. The Lord of hosts is his name, and your redeemer is the Holy One of Israel. He is called the God of the whole earth. I can't tell you how many marriages fall apart because a woman is looking to her husband to satisfy her in ways that only God can do. And husbands can do that too. But ladies, listen, don't do that to your husband. The pressure that puts on a man to be seeking from him what only God can provide. It's overwhelming. No man in the world can bear up under that kind of pressure. And yet I see it all the time. Women codependent on their husbands. Your maker is your husband. The Lord of hosts is his name. He is called the God of the whole earth. Listen, ladies, if you want a good marriage to that man sitting next to you, listen, hear me. Jesus can't just be your friend. He can't just be your friend. He can't just be a part of your religious life. Someone you think about every time you get into trouble, when you get sick, when you got, get into a panic, or someone you think about when something great happens. Oh, thank you, Jesus. You're such an awesome co-pilot, Jesus. He's not a co-pilot. He is the God of the whole earth. That's who he is. The Jesus of so many women in this country is sort of like a sentimental, nostalgic kind of friend. Too many women treat Jesus like that guy in high school who asked you to go steady. Yes, that's what they called it when I was in high school. Sorry. Some of you aren't even laughing. You don't even know what steady is. But, but, but that guy in high school who asked you to go steady. And what did you say? Just say it. I, I had it said to me, and I can't stand it. But say it anyway. What did you say? You're just a friend. I, I will have you as a friend. Spoken from someone with experience. <laughs> but listen, Jesus doesn't enter into just friend relationships. He, he is that. But he's so much more. Your maker is your husband. 
The Lord of hosts, that means the Lord of armies, is his name. And your Redeemer is the Holy One of Israel. He is called the God of the whole earth. Listen, Jesus is only into one kind of relationship, ladies. Marriage. Your maker is your husband. So ladies, long, unhurried, quality time with that perfect Savior, your husband, Jesus. That cooking show. That time on Facebook. It hurts me to even say it. Candy crush. Listen, if I see any of you ladies doing that on Facebook, you're going to get a nasty little message from your pastor. I, I, oh. uh, speaking the nasty truth in love. That's going to be me. But anyway, that Skype session with your friend, that, yes, and, and I'm going to say it, that messy house that needs picking up. Deal with it, guys. Deal with it. You guys who are so used to, you know, you grew up with your moms having the house in absolute perfect order. You deal with it if it means your house, your, your, your wife being in the word of God. And I don't even get worse. That bath, that shower. Yes, I said it. That bath, that shower. When hubby comes home, you just may need to plaster yourself in perfume. Listen, you need to be in the word of God. You need to start, take that machete and start hacking away at those time burners. I really mean this. I really, really do. Wives, husbands, speaking of both of you now, so important. Here's what so many of the marriage books leave out. Not all of them, but so many. John chapter 15, verse 4 says this, Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you. John 15, 4. Abide in me, And I in you. What does that mean, abide? Let's take a look. Let's have our own definition. Abide in Christ. A fully shared life relationship with Jesus Christ. Meaning holding nothing back and never holding it back. A fully shared life. Every day. Lord, what's up? with this thing in my life. Or Lord, thank you, Lord, for this thing in my life. And, and, and with the Word of God open before you, just taking it in and getting to know your Jesus. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 14. This is Paul speaking to the church. And he's just, what he's doing, he's just speaking the same thing Jesus is speaking to them. I will not be a burden to you. I don't want what you have. I want you. Jesus doesn't want your money. He doesn't want your church attendance. He doesn't want to, you to check off some lists saying that you prayed however many times or read your Bible however many times. He doesn't want that Work, good work that you can do for him, going out in the streets, witnessing, uh, doing good to this person and to that, being a good father, mother. He doesn't, he doesn't want to take anything from you. He wants you. I will not be a burden to you. I don't want what you have. I want you. When you abide in Christ... This is what you learn. And that will transform your life and you will start doing like crazy. Doing for God like crazy, but for a completely different reason. But in your marriage, 
will be transformed. That one-on-one relationship with Jesus, time alone with Him, fully sharing your heart with Him, holding nothing back from God. The Bible opened up, allowing the Lord to pour in. I just love this verse from Psalm 81. This is God speaking. Husbands and wives, singles, children, I am the Lord your God. Open your mouth wide and I will fill it. He will. He will. He will be faithful to do that. Now, if any of you ladies here are wondering, well, how do I even do it? How do I go about having a one-on-one time with Jesus? Let me tell you, that's my wife Stephanie's favorite conversation in the whole world. It's her passion teaching women how to get into the Word. Talk to her. Guys, you can speak to me or one of the other leaders. We have devotionals in the bookstore. I'm a devotional junkie. I just love them. You know, but that's a good start. And you can go the rest of your life with devotionals. You just, uh, it, it, and it's just a, a sort of a Bible verse, a little commentary on it. When I get up in the morning, I, I can't think. I need someone else to think for me. And so I, that's, it, it, you know, it, it, so the devotional does it for me. But, but listen, everyone has a different way of doing it. There's not a law. Even time of day, it's not a law. In the morning, I find it's the best because I don't have the clutter of my mind. That's impossible for some people, and I, I understand that. But number one priority in the home, husbands in the word. Number two, wives in the word. So with that, let's get to the verse we started with this morning. Verse 22. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is head of the wife as also Christ is of the church and he is the savior of the body. Therefore, just as the church is subject to Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands. And you'll never be able to do what those verses say with husbands, husband number two, that man sitting next to you, unless you first fall in love with husband number one. You'll never be able to do this. Husband number one, who's living inside of you, by the way, the Bible says. So let's, let's do a little review. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. Why, 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 why? Why would God ever put a verse like that in the Bible? And actually, not just once, in the New Testament alone, five times you will see this verse. Why, 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 why? Again, if a woman or a man who knows nothing else about the Bible just turns to this page and goes right at those verses, they're going to be confused frustrated, and angry. But if they know the beauty of the picture which the wife is portraying in the marriage, everything will start to make more sense. So remember, throughout the Bible, the relationship between a husband and wife is a picture of the relationship that God has with His people, that Jesus has with you. The husband-wife relationship is a picture of the beauty of God's kingdom. The kingdom of God. We discussed this in the first message. The kingdom of God. It's a subject Jesus talked about more than any other subject. The kingdom of God. His first message was this. His first message in his public ministry. The time has come, he said. The kingdom of God has come near. Turn away from your sins and believe the good news. What's the good news? That the kingdom of God is near. In John chapter 3, verse 3, Most assuredly I say to you, this is Jesus speaking, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is the whole goal. It's the whole reason he came to declare it and to accomplish a work necessary for you and me to enter. Among the last things that he said in his public ministry, um, we have in the Matthew 24. Do we have that? Yeah. And this gospel, this is Jesus speaking right before his death on the cross, and this gospel, which means good news, of the what? Kingdom will be preached in all the world. Matthew 24, verse 14. The kingdom of God. What is it? 
It's a kingdom in which God's people will live in complete joy and peace apart from any sin or darkness, a place in which men and women will live completely enveloped in the love of Jesus. The kingdom of God inaugurated or initiated when Jesus came to earth 2,000 years ago, but um, it will not arrive in all its fullness until Jesus returns to establish a kingdom on earth, and then that is eventually replaced by the kingdom in heaven. Throughout the Bible, God uses the picture of marriage to illustrate the beauty of his kingdom that Jesus Christ is the husband, and that you and me, his people, are the bride. And you see this, again, throughout the um, Old Testament. Here in the Old Testament, wonderful verse in Isaiah says of this, this is God speaking to you, speaking to Israel, but we've been grafted in. You will be called the people God loves. And your land will be called the bride of God because the Lord loves you and your land will belong to him as a bride belongs to her husband. As a man rejoices over his new wife, so God will rejoice over you. And then, of course, we have the verse that we already read in the New Testament. Verse 31, For this reason a man... I shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife. Verse 32, this is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. So, why does Ephesians 5.22 say what it says? Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. Why does Ephesians 5.25 say what it says? Husbands, love your wives as Christ also loved the church because marriage, your marriage, done right, will show the world the beauty of the kingdom of God. And it will provoke them to jealousy because nothing is more provokes jealousy more, I have found, when there is a beautiful, rich, fruit-bearing marriage where there's just love and respect and laughter. Nothing is as enviable to the world. Is that why? And and what it really is, it's a picture of the relationship between Jesus and and the church. And it only works one way. And it's the way described in the Word of God in Ephesians chapter 5. In other words, your marriage is nothing about you. So we hear, you know, we, 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 we hear all the time this talk about um, women being liberated. You talk to, uh, but you talk to, to, to Christian women who get this, who get it who understand that their marriage, a woman who understands her marriage is supremely about a relationship she has with Jesus and the role she is playing, not because she's less valuable in God's eyes, because in Galatians 6 we learn there's neither man nor woman, but all are one in Christ, but because she is fulfilling a role in a feature film produced by God, written by God, directed by God, that woman truly understands freedom. One of my heroes is a man named Ray Stedman. He went to the Lord in the in, in 1980s, but for 30 years he was a pastor in, uh, in Palo Alto, California. He's just a man who was all about Jesus and he was all about the Word of God and doing ministry by the Holy Spirit and just, just, just a giant of the faith. When teaching through this passage, he read a letter from a woman who had been studying this passage. And I'm going to read from it because the letter is as good as any example I've ever seen of a woman who understood this passage and the freedom it offered to her. So this is Ray Stedman speaking. He said a Christian woman wrote 
some time ago asking me concerning this verse. We're talking about verse 522. Wives, submit to your own husbands. And she asked, does this mean that my submission to my husband is a measure of the degree to which I am submitted to Christ? Ray Steadman responded, it is exactly that. The submission of a wife to her husband is the proper area in the proper area of his authority, meaning you're never supposed to sin. If your husband wants you to sin, that's, that's out of bounds. But the submission of a wife to her husband in the proper areas of authority is precisely a measure of her submission to Christ. The woman went on to write. It's the women writing here. I realize that my submission to my husband is not my gift to him to be gratefully on received on his part and to be returned to me in kind nor is it a subtle form of blackmail see lord how submissive i was in this circumstance now what about seeing some results in my husband O oh lord in fact if i were submitting to my husband as unto the lord I wouldn't care what the results are. That's God's business. Actually, a woman is never more free to be herself than when she is most joyfully submissive to her husband's authority. What a relief to be free to be what I was made for. Amen. And so, we went through this role play with husbands last week. Now it's time for the ladies. So often uh, we will be in marriage counseling. These two verses are presented to husbands and wives. Wives submit to your husbands. Husbands love your wives as Christ loves the church. And the wife will say, I will start submitting when he starts loving. But it doesn't say, here, notice. Wife, submit to your husbands as unto the Lord, except to the ones who don't love. doesn't say that. It says, wife, submit to your husband as unto the Lord. If you choose to submit to your husband only when he loves you, listen, ladies, you are disobeying Jesus Christ. You have an obedience problem with the Lord. So often in counseling, I need to tell wives, your issue is not with your unloving husband. Your issue is with the Lord. Is the Lord in control or not? Are you going to trust Him or not? Are you going to submit to the Lord or not? Listen, this isn't easy stuff. I'm not pretending that it's easy. I see, have seen incredible results from a man and woman willing to be, obey the Lord. It's not complicated. Actually, it's really simple, but it's not easy. So a couple weeks ago, I had this illustration when we had come to Boston and we were looking for a house and we were in Savin Hill in Dorchester and I saw this house and I'm like, yours! And my wife said, oh no, it's not. <laughs> and I need to, to back away. Because if I'm loving her, I'm not going to buy a house that she doesn't like, that my wife doesn't like. How can I love my wife like Christ loves the church if I do that? But what if I didn't? What if I dug my heels in the ground, I decide to not love her, I get real hyper-spiritual and I say, well, you don't you know those verses in Ephesians 5.22, wives submit your husbands. Husbands, again, those wives aren't for you. R rather, those verses aren't for you. That verse is not for you. It's written to your wife, not for you to use against her. We don't use the Word of God as a weapon. Wives don't do that with your husbands either. But let's say that, that that was my reaction, you know, just pounding my chest like a gorilla. Well, we're going to get this house. The Bible says, according to this passage, 
that if my wife is going to obey the Lord, she has to submit and get into that house that she doesn't like. Talked a couple weeks ago also about conflicts between husbands and wife, about vacations. You know, I want to go to Puerto Rico. No, I want to go to Puerto Cape Cod. You know, the wife says, well, if the, wife, if, the, if the husband loves his wife, like Christ loves the church, they're going to Puerto Cape Cod <laughs> and, and dipping their toes in that freezing water. That's on the north side of the Cape. Um, but but uh, and if it's where to go out to eat, I want to go to Chinatown. No, I want to go to... Uh, to to uh, Little Italy in the North End. Well, you do what the wife wants, guys. That's what you do if you love her. (laughs) I want to hear amens not from men, please, brother. I'm being serious. I want amens from women. Because the wives, the the, the verse was written to you, not to you, brother. (laughs) And so, and so, my wife wants to go to the North End. I want to go to Chinatown. I love that garbage in the streets. I, 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 that's part of why I love going there. You know, I feel like I'm in the city. And, and the food there is incredible. But if my wife wants to go to, to, to the North End, then that's where we're going to go because I love her. But what if I say no? You know, I want to go to Puerto Rico. I, you know... With, you know, those women on the, the, the beaches in their bikinis or whatever. And, and I want to go to Chinatown. The Bible says, if a, a woman is obeying Jesus Christ, she's going to allow her husband to make that call. And you say, Steve. Wives, you say, Steve. Can you show me the brighter side? Can you, show, can you give me some hope? Yes, I will. Let's look at 1 Peter 3, verses 1 and 2. And so this is the glorious verse in the Word of God that has transformed countless families over the centuries. 1 Peter, verse 3. Uh, Chapter 3, verse 1 says this, Wives, respect and obey your husbands in the same way. Then, listen up, the husbands who do not obey the word of God will want to know God. They will want to know God because their wives live good lives even though they say nothing about God. In other words, even though they're not interested in God. That is a modern English translation. The New King James just says, wives, submit to your husbands, that even if some do not obey the word, they without a word may be won by the conduct of their wives. When they observe your chaste conduct accompanied by fear, fear the Lord. Not fear of man, fear of the Lord, because you're, you're, you're looking at the Word of God and what it says and you're obeying it. So, Ephesians 5.22, wives submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. Why is this verse here? Because it's a picture of the relationship between Jesus Christ and His children and you. Before we close, let me just bring, bring up one other reason. And it's the obvious one. To me, it's the obvious one. So why, does, why, does, why this passage in the Bible, wives submit to your husbands as unto the Lord? Number one, it's a picture of God's kingdom. It's the role that husbands, that wives have rather in, in, in God's feature film. But the second one is, is simple. And it's this, nothing in life works without order, without hierarchy. Or simply put, nothing in life works without someone in charge. And you know that. It's simply how God designed the world. A corporation, a business, an organization cannot succeed without someone who is designated as being in charge, as having the ultimate responsibility. So in an operating room, in the hospital, the last thing in the world you want are two surgeons 
both assigned as having the ultimate responsibility for success or failure of that surgery. Listen, we need to close off this blood vessel. No, sir, we need to close off that one. And you have two surgeons grabbing, you know, at blood vessels. No, we don't want that. In an airplane, you have one pilot in charge. Okay, we need to take the airplane down now. No, 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 you don't. I need to take over that landing gear. Ah, you know, you're in the back. No, we don't want that. That's silly. That, that's crazy. But somehow, 50 or 60 years ago, the church started going crazy. And it began to be pressured by the world in this area, wives submit to your husband as unto the Lord. That is wrong. That's outdated. That's oppressive to women. That needs to be done away with. And the church began to look at verses like that and say, well, wives submit to your husbands. Did God really say that? Did he really say that? That sounds eerily familiar. Genesis chapter 3. When Satan said to Eve, Did God really say that to you? That you should not eat of the fruit of the tree in the middle of the garden. Did he really say that? And so the church abdicated its God-given privilege to uphold the truth of the Word of God. The church began to behave as if it was smarter than God. We know that in an emergency room you need one doctor in charge. We know that in, in an airplane we need one pilot in charge. But in marriages, marriages are not like that. Marriages need to be 50-50, husband and wives. And I find it, listen, I find it sadly ironic that within 25 years of that time, the church starting to behave in that way as if they're smarter than God, the divorce rate over doubled to what? 50%. That's what you get with 50-50 marriages. 50-50 marriages, where is that in the Bible? It's nowhere. It's 100%. 100%. That's what going to the cross is like. Husbands, love your wives like Christ loved the church. Going to the cross is... The Bible says that Jesus went to the cross while we were yet enemies of God. Romans 5.8. That sound doesn't sound like 50-50 to me. And so we're called to the same thing in marriage. 100%, 100%. Brothers and sisters, we're not smarter than God. I'm going to end with these verses, speak, speaking of hope. Proverbs 12.4 says this, An excellent wife is the crown of her husband, but she who causes shame is like rottenness in his bones. People receive houses and money from their parents, Proverb 19.4 says, but a good wife is a gift from the Lord. And then Proverbs 31, an excellent wife, who can find? She is far more precious than jewels. Can we run through those quickly one more time, Sean? So the first one, an excellent wife is the crown of her husband. Wives, if you put that crown of excellent on her husband in time he'll realize what he's got how good he has it and his behavior will start to change the next one um, says uh, a good wife end of the verse Proverbs 19 14 is a gift from the Lord if you present a good wife to your husband that good godly wife he'll know it's from the Lord The world doesn't give. It's not in the business of giving good wives. And he will turn to the Lord. And then finally, an excellent wife who can find she is far more precious than uh, Jules. Wives, when you present excellent to your husband, he'll know he's got the goods, the rubies. And it'll change him. Marriage done right. When a husband and wife get marriage right, it'll show the world the beauty of God's kingdom. In particular, the beauty of the relationship between the King, Jesus, and you and I and everyone. So while the worship team comes up, why don't we stand up And if you've been called to pray up here,
please come up and pray. I would ask you if you have a child in nursery or Sunday school just to, uh, to leave right after the closing prayer. I'm going to close prayer, and right after that, uh, a mom or dad, if you can go get um, the, the kids because we've run over. Just, I, if you, particularly you wise, if, if, if you've heard something in the message today that has stirred your heart, you'd like to come up and pray. Please come up and pray. This is the family of God. This is a family. If we can't be transparent, I say it all the time, in front of our families, there's a problem there. And so prayer and fellowship and going into fellowship, brothers and sisters, and having them pray for you, so important in marriage. So I've, uh, when I'm, I meet with Pastor Scott um, each week, and, and we regularly pray for our marriages, every week actually almost, pray for our marriages. Don't be confident in your marriage, lest you fall. Just always be relying on the Lord. Maybe you're in here today and you've never given your life to Jesus Christ. You've never given your life to that perfect Savior. You've never given your life to the one husband that matters the most. I want you to just to come up here to me while the worship team plays. And it's a simple prayer of faith. You can't enter into the kingdom of God by being good because no one's good enough. But the Bible says you can enter into the kingdom of God by simply opening up your heart and asking Him in by a prayer of faith. If you've never done that, you can come up. But let me, let me close in prayer and then the worship team will begin and you can come and pray and worship. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you for this wonderful picture. Lord, I think of the proverb, people receive houses and money from their parents, but a good wife is a gift from the Lord. And, and as on behalf of all husbands, we, we thank you for our wives. We know they're under, under construction as we are. We thank you for them. So help us to honor them. Lord, on behalf of all the wives, we just pray, Lord. This is only possible. Anything that we heard this morning is only possible as, as, as our wives are joined to their perfect Savior, you, Jesus. Regularly. Daily. And that in itself is an impossible task, Lord. And would you say what's impossible with man is possible with you. But with, Lord, with kids, with children, with particularly young, real young ones, Lord, this is a hard thing, finding time with you. We ask that you would free them up somehow, Lord. Some, some in here are single, single moms. I, I, we just pray that you, we ask that you would free them up, Lord, to be with you, their husband, their only husband, but the husband that matters the most. Free them up to spend time with you, their perfect Savior. And God, now free us up to worship and pray. I pray this in Jesus' name, amen.